Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Yep. And here we are. Summer shorts. Numero dos. It's true. And, uh... Oh, I, I feel like I'm feeling the busyness of summer. Yeah. Extra this week. Especially because we're prepping... <laughs> like multiple episodes at the same time, knowing that right. I'm gonna, I'm going to be gone for a whole week, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and next the week that you're going to be gone is a Patreon week, so yeah, yeah, we're back to back to back recording. Yes, so even though these are summer shorts, there is no shortage of recording hard work. and hard work <laughs> and all that for us. Yes, but that being said, my love, um, I don't know if you're planning to explain summer shorts again in this episode, but. Uh, I feel like for anybody who's jumping in, maybe missing the first one, do you want to do like a quick uh, kind of heads up on what this episode and yeah. some of these other episodes are kind of like? Sure. Yeah. So we started this last week. It's just a little series that we're doing uh, just so that we can still put out content. Uh, summer's crazy for us. Mm-hmm. You have extra work. You do a lot of contract work for events and stuff like that during the summer, especially. Mm-hmm. And so you're out of town. And then we're all running around to try and follow you out of town and all that kind of stuff. And so what we decided on was summer shorts. And so we're just doing shorter episodes for the next six, seven, eight weeks, something like that, before we jump back into our regular full-length episodes in August. Yeah. In the meantime, we have all of the full-length episodes still available on Patreon. That won't change. I'm not going to do short episodes for Patreon, but I'll just do the regular kind of standard Patreon uploads. Yeah. But yeah, until August, we will be doing summer shorts. All right. Well, then before we get too far down that road, we got to ask the question, what are you drinking? You know what? Voice is still tired. So I went with the peppermint tea. Ooh, nice. Tasty. Yeah. Just simple. Yeah. What do you have? Well, um, I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit uh, extra tonight. So yeah. <laughs> I snagged myself the old uh, Coke and Fireball. Oh, yes. The old young regret. <laughs> the old young regret. <laughs> I love it. Delish. <laughs> so I'm going to try to not uh, belch too much in the mic, but... Smart. Those those spicy burps really can get after you now that I'm in my 30s. I was going to say, what are you, 75? <laughs> when did that happen? The spicy uh, burps? The spicy burps, yeah. Like they came prematurely for you, but anyway. Could be, could be. Well, we also, for the summertime, uh, are taking a quick hiatus on the feel-good facts Yeah. in order to do what? So we're going to do a recommend slash do not recommend. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'll pick just a random topic. That was me honestly forgetting what we do instead. Perfect. I'm glad that you (laughs) were prepared. (laughs) Yeah, so one of us will recommend something in the realm of that topic, and the other will not recommend something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the realm of that topic. The only yes. rule is that it has to be something that you've seen, experienced, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can't recommend or not recommend something you don't know anything about. Yeah. My my friend's cousin's brother told me whatever, whatever doesn't count. Sure. So, okay. Okay. So in the spirit of traveling a lot during the summer, mm. I was thinking road trips. Oh, yes. So what would you either recommend or not recommend by way of Road trip snacks. Oh, yes. I am a seasoned veteran in the road trip snacks. I will say that. 
I've tried many a road trip snack. Yeah. But my absolute favorite, number one, and I get it every time, those little $2 Chester's hot fries. Oh, those are really good. Those are my favorite. Pair so, that but what with about, a good old-fashioned gas station coffee and you're Yeah, you're I was going to say, you need a drink. <laughs> you're going to need a drink. So, yeah, it's tough for me because I almost always go for something salty mm-hmm. and then regret it. <laughs> yeah, and then that's I'm true. Like, now I'm like really thirsty. We need to yeah. stop again. So I'm going to recommend having something hydrating while mm. not recommending overdoing it on the salty. Fair. Also, never do gas station sushi. And just as an added aside, never trust a truck stop bidet. I have <laughs> run into that more than once where I'm like, who? Who, who is use using? This? Well, I guess maybe <laughs> it makes sense if you're on the road for a really long period of time. Yeah. And it's like a mini shower. You got that of. swamp, swampy feeling going on. And you're like, I need something really clean me up a I can, little bit. I can see that, how that would make sense. But I can't recommend that. Fair, fair. So not a snack, more of a side quest, but still. No, still, do not recommend. Yes, that's a road trip experience for sure that yeah. you, you are recommending people avoid. Sure. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Amazing. Well. If I get any text messages from anybody, the way that I got text messages about the strawberry and strawberries and cream, Dr. Pepper, mm-hmm. but about Chester's hot fries, I, I hope that they are only positive. Yeah. If anybody comes at me, instant block. Yeah, right. Get a grip. <laughs> a lot of people know that that's my favorite road trip snack already because I have put that up on my socials many a time as well. Yeah. But anyway, that being set aside for the time being. Uh, You have a story for us this week. I sure do. All right. I'm excited about this. Good. Okay. So Ireland is the birthplace of many incredible longstanding myths and legends. We've got tales of powerful gods and ancient kings, of mischievous fairies and helpful hobgoblins. But there's one creature in particular that I feel has gotten a bad rap and has been unfairly represented over the years. And so today I'm going to talk about this creature perhaps one of the most famous of the fae folk from Irish folklore. Mm. Today, I'm talking about the Celtic Banshee. Ooh. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. The Banshee? Yeah. Wow. I also didn't know that the Banshee was Celtic. Yeah. That's news to me. So the word Banshee is a Gaelic term that translates to female fairy or woman of the underworld. And just for the sake of consistency, there are variations of the Banshee legend in Welsh and Scottish folklore, but today we're going to focus on the Irish Banshee. Banshee. Mm, Okay. That's a mouthful. It sure is. Lots of shush. Yes. (laughs) So Celtic mythology is unique in the sense that since the legends of old were primarily passed down by word of mouth for centuries, it wasn't uncommon for families to add their own twists and details that were relevant to their specific clan or family experience. And so there's not really one correct or complete version of any Mm. realm involving Celtic mythology. Interesting. You'll see variations on specific legends, as well as plenty of legends that have a clearly visible, like, through line between certain concepts and figures. Mm. Okay. So what's the Banshee? What is she all about? Yeah. The Banshee is a female fairy spirit who typically lives near a river. She's a harbinger of death, warning the hearers of her sad wailing, screaming, singing, or keening that death is near. 
Mm. Some have argued that it's the banshee herself that ushers in death with her song or scream, while others indicate that she's simply passing along a message to whoever hears her that death is already on its way. Wow. So some people are like, if you hear the banshee scream, that's it. Time's up. She's brought death upon you. Mm -hmm. But the more, I would say, consistent version is that death's already coming. She's just informing you. She's warning you. She's the messenger. Yeah. (laughs) Though the true origins of the Banshee are sort of lost to time, the overall consensus is that she first appeared in Celtic stories somewhere in the early 8th century, alongside an old Irish tradition where women who were beautiful singers would be paid in alcohol to attend funerals of highly regarded members of society, such as noble families, distinguished soldiers, etc., They would show up to the funeral and set the tone of grief by singing songs of lamentation or by keening, an Irish word meaning to weep, Mm. which I feel like is a show of grief and compassion. And I actually really admire this practice. However, the Irish church frowned upon the practice. And so these women were typically outcast as they got older and their beauty faded, banishing them to functionally become banshees, women whose cries signal that death is near. And as we go, you'll kind of see how the funeral or graveside keening women have a lot in common with the Banshee figure. Mm, okay. So yeah. a lot of people think that the the Banshee legend came first and then the keening practice came later, but it's hard to know totally for wow, sure. Wow, that's really interesting. It is. Huh. It is very interesting. And I love the idea of keening. It was like a, it was an official position yeah. to show up to wakes, funerals, graveside, whatever. And the women would be in a specific a specific area. Yeah. And they would like beat their breast and scream and cry and mm. sing. And it would set the tone in the room. Yeah. Uh, some people have argued that it was always women because they're beautiful, because they have uh, a specific tone in their voice that is more emotional. Others have argued that it's more sexist. It's hard to mm. really know for sure. Right, right. Like Or like men can't be emotional and so they'll like leave it to the women kind of thing. Yeah. So nobody totally knows for sure, but yeah, that yeah. was a long-standing practice to have keeners at, the, at funerals. And it's so long ago that it's even hard to consider what that culture is even really like. It's hard to mm-hmm. know like what the average person thought about these kinds of things outside of maybe personal journals, but mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I've never, I've not heard of many of those kinds of, of things being discovered and recovered from that time era. You know, you hear a lot about like things in the medieval ages, but pre-medieval mm-hmm. is like kind of, it's just kind of hard to find that stuff. It sounds like yeah, I'm totally speculating. In, but. Sure. Sure. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was an interesting practice and they are pretty intertwined. Yeah, that's cool. So it's believed that the practice of keening, like I said, came after the Banshee legend. And one thing that most people, at least people from around the world, may not know is that according to legend, the Banshee only came to specific Irish families with her sad song and that she has been depicted as being like a good being hmm. for the most part and an evil one. It just kind of depends on the specific family. Some have wondered if a banshee assigned to a specific family was a descendant of the family itself. Instead of being the fearsome creature that many of us have come to associate with the banshee, they were seen as sympathetic, loyal, and compassionate towards whoever she was charged with singing their death heralds. 
Traditionally, banshees were also said to attend the funerals of those she sang over, and though she was unseen, her cries and wails would blend in with those of the other mourners in attendance. When members of the families who are believed to be the ones that the banshees attached to immigrated to the United States, it's believed that their banshees came with them. Though, as we'll see when we talk about banshee sightings in a little bit, the sightings in the U.S. are extremely limited. Hmm. I think there's only one sighting that's been talked about over time within the United States, but there have been plenty in Ireland and Scotland. It's believed that the Banshees are spirits of women who died unjustly, tragically, or prematurely, assuming the responsibility of heralding death and joining in the sorrow of the impending death of a loved one, and also reflecting the sorrow of their own deaths when they were human. Mm. Like I said earlier, the Banshee is technically considered to be fae. I've been talking about wanting to do a multi-part series on the Fae at some point, so I'm not going to venture too far down into the weeds for this episode, but I just wanted to make a qualifying statement that the Fae are far more vast and deep and wide than many people are aware. Hmm. There's not one type of fairy. They aren't all evil. They aren't all good or helpful. And traditionally, many types of creatures can rightly be classified as Fae, and the Banshee is definitely one of them. Generally speaking, there's two classifications of fairies, at least in the Irish Celtic sphere, from what I understand. Hmm. So it's said that the East She, so I'm going to hope I pronounced that correctly, (laughs) um, or the people of the mounds were descended from the Tatha de Danon, which are old school Celtic deities who were driven underground by the Milesians long ago. These fairies are typically more human-like than some of the more creature-like figures that we'll talk about. The second classification is a more solitary folk that are more often associated with bad luck or mischief. Many of the oldest Celtic legends that have to do with the Fae address death and burial in some way, and that seems to kind of be a prevailing theme. Hmm. Like the Fae do kind of function to make sense of the human experience in a lot of ways. Wow. So as the legend goes, the Milesians, or the group of settlers who came to Ireland and are believed to be the ancestors of most of the current-day Irish people, so when they arrived to Ireland, a conflict of some sort took place between the Fae and the Milesians. Uh, this was the Tautha de Danon. So they knew that they would lose the conflict, using their gift of prophecy to avoid the total destruction of their people. So instead, they came to an agreement to relocate to the fairy world underground. So these fairy mounds are located all across Ireland, and many, we talked about it actually in the Netta Fenario episode, Oh, she was obsessed with the fairy mounds on Iona. Yes. So a lot of people believe that those have connections to fae folk, Hmm. which is interesting. Also, that's, I feel like that's a story that we've talked about recently enough to say, like, for me anyway, that that hits in a way that I'm like, oh, there's like ties like throughout lots of strands of history yeah, already. Totally. Like I'm seeing the connection across several centuries, which is kind of crazy. I think it's so hard. We've talked about this before too, to consider just how ancient mm-hmm. the world is <laughs> yes. and how ancient some some of these specific cultures are and how long some of these places like Ireland is such a good example of this mm-hmm. that have had people living there forever with their own lore and legends that they've passed on and on mm-hmm. and on. And it blows my mind that we have access to even right. a fraction of it, you know? 
So I know this all does seem a little bit unconnected, but an additional belief in the function of the Fae is that a person who lived a shameful, overly decadent, or selfish life, their soul would be condemned to remain close to the earth, and the Banshee was in charge of ensuring that those who were destined to be bound close to the earth for all time, due to their actions in the human realm, Mm -hmm. like that was her job to kind of police that, I suppose. Wow. So in the same way, those who lived peacefully and with kindness would be destined to live in a place of peace and joy for all time. So not all sources that I used talked about this function of the Banshee, but I did like that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. She's kind of like justice in some way. Yeah. <laughs> and like she knows, like she can see the fullness of your work on earth. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a sentience mm-hmm. of why she's there doing what she's doing. Which, yes. Which is not the way that banshees, in my experience anyway, mm-hmm. are like usually depicted. Usually I know. Depicted just, just chaotic and animalistic. Screaming wildly. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and to have them to to have part of the legend be. No, no, they're they're here for an intentional purpose. Right. It it it, it gives you multiple dimensions to yeah. look at it, which so far is really interesting to me. Yeah. So I'm sure you're wanting to know. What does the banshee look like? Yes. So she can be depicted in a few different ways depending on the specific legend. She's always depicted as female. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she's seen as a beautiful woman with long red or golden hair and dressed in a red and green traditional Irish dress. Sometimes she's depicted as a fancy stately matron. The matron version of the banshee is said to be very tall and striking and very fair-skinned. Her eyes are usually red from crying, and she has long silver-gray hair that flows all the way to the ground, and she's also seen wearing a long silver gown and cloak. Hmm. Other times, she's depicted as an old hag, bent over and very elderly in appearance. She's also sometimes seen as a washerwoman washing the blood out of soldiers' clothes or washing the severed heads and limbs of fallen warriors in the river. Just pretty punk rock. Wow. Her, yeah. <laughs> her cloak and robe is seen in tatters, and she almost always has a shroud over her head. She can also appear as a headless woman, naked from the waist up, carrying a bowl of blood. Oh. So that one's wow. also pretty- Very punk rock. Pretty, pretty metal. Pretty metal. <laughs> so if a banshee is seen in her physical form, she will vanish into a cloud of mist, the sound of flapping wings accompanying the mist as it fades. Along with the scarier descriptions of the Banshee come the legends of the Banshees that would scream and wail as a mockery of the person whose death they were heralding, rather than lamenting it. Mm. So I feel like that's kind of the version that we hear more often is like, you're being cursed by the Banshee and she's having a great time with it, Mm. as opposed to her being just a messenger who's also lamenting in death. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think of like, the images that come to my mind most are there's a I, I forget what the name of the of the painting is, but there's a, a painting of a person with both of their hands on mm-hmm. their face. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The super famous one that everybody has seen. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that's supposed to actually be to, depicting. But it's the scream. I forget what it's depicting, but yeah. But that's that's like what I imagine when I think of a banshee. Um, is that kind of a look or <laughs> um this is <laughs> maybe you'll age me but um i think of courage the cowardly dog there's that one bad guy character that's like 
like uh he kind of waves in the wind a little bit and it's like <laughs> one of the scarier ones when you're a kid um mm. i don't remember what what he even was or what he did and it was a male figure in that one mm-hmm. but like i think of that you're picturing like a wispy specter yeah kind of like that and that's that's where my mind goes when i think of a banshee yeah so so i feel like that is mostly due to pop culture but yes. this is like like the the spiteful banshee is very minimal hmm. like we don't hear of her hardly at all compared to the like lamentation version yeah, yeah which i think is really interesting yeah so oftentimes the banshee is depicted brushing her hair with a special silver comb which is why it's customarily a bad idea to pick up a comb that you find on the ground particularly one found near a crossroads it's like a major bad luck hmm. those who do pick up the comb are said to be ushered into complete doom and ruin She's rarely seen during the day, most often conducting her business at night. Hearers of the Banshee's wail may hear her directly outside of their home or from a distance, her shriek echoing over the hills or across the moorlands. So I don't know how much I talk about this, but most often when you hear the shriek or the cry of the Banshee, she's warning you of the death of somebody close to you, not your death. Oh. Which is an additional thing, Hmm. which I feel like I didn't explain super well. No, that does make sense, though. I'll, 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 yeah. Keep, keep, keep going. Okay. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So while the roots of the Banshee are strong in Ireland, Wales, and Scotland, the figure has made her way into global pop culture in the last several decades. From poems to short stories to books, television, and film, the Banshee is often depicted at her scariest. And I'm sure everyone, for the most part, at the beginning of the episode, when I first said the word Banshee, probably already had an idea of what a banshee is and how she functions. And that's thanks to her story being preserved for so long and then adapted over time. Hmm. So the legend of the banshee was widely accepted in Ireland pretty much right after its inception, probably sometime in the beginning of the 8th century. And with that belief comes the historical accounts of encounters or sightings of banshees. And so let's talk about a few of those before we wrap up. Ooh, okay. So according to the personal memoirs of Lady Fawnshaw, I'm going to say that. Yeah. In 1649, <laughs> while she and her husband were visiting a friend, a mysterious visitor appeared at her window late at night. It appeared to be a young woman with long red hair who cried out the word, a hone, a hone, a hone, which is a variation of an ancient Irish word meaning alas, which is a form of lament, like it's mm, used to yeah. depict sorrow. The following day, it was discovered that a cousin of the host family had died in the middle of the night. This is in written memoirs. Wow, that just made my spine tingle. Oh, I got more, buddy. I got (laughs) more. In 1801, the commander-in-chief of British forces in Ireland was attending a party. Mm -hmm. That night, multiple partygoers, including the commander's wife, the maid, and several house guests, heard a crying noise coming from outside one of the windows, followed by a woman's voice shrieking out the name of the commander, only to discover that he had died around the exact same time when they went to check on him. Oh, wow. Like They checked on him moments later, and he was dead. Ooh. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Residents of County Derry have carried the belief in the Banshee throughout many generations, and there are some who still believe in the Banshee legend based off of some very famous stories coming out of the area. In some variations of the Banshee legend, she can sometimes be seen as a bird with a woman's head, or her impending arrival can be signified by things like a group of crows showing up to a specific area and hanging around. Mm. So in a story that allegedly took place in the 1940s, 1940s, Oh, wow. In County Derry, an elderly man was very ill. 
For days, the man suffered in bed until a group of crows just kind of showed up and kept landing in front of the window where he slept. Hmm. Family who was in the home taking care of the man would chase the crows away, but still the man's condition worsened. Realizing he likely didn't have much time left to live, a priest was called to read the man his last rites. Later that night, there was a knock at the door. The family wasn't expecting company, so they all sat in silence, seeing if the visitor would leave or not, when suddenly the knock rang again, this time accompanied by a sorrowful moaning sound. Oh. Yes. So a young girl who was in the house was super freaked out by this, kind of more like more than anyone else. Yeah. She did not want to answer the door, but the knocking and moaning continued. She was told by an adult in the home that she needed to answer the door because the noise was disturbing the sleep of the sick man. And when she did, the girl screamed at the top of her lungs and fainted. When she came to, the family asked her what had happened because none of them had seen anything. Mm -hmm. She said that when she opened the door, there was an old hag with long white hair and a long tattered white dress in the yard, moaning, screaming, and wringing her hands. Later that night, the man passed away, and the family remained convinced that the house had been visited by a banshee. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that weird? Yes, and also so disturbing. Like, just the visual of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that might that might keep me up tonight. That one's really creepy. Yeah. Ooh, okay. While there aren't many stories of the banshee in the United States, there's one very famous story from way back in the day. The Tar River Banshee. So during the time of the American Revolutionary War, it was not uncommon for British soldiers, otherwise referred to as redcoats, to come into the colonies and demand that the settlers declare loyalty to the crown. Mm -hmm. They would use fear tactics and sometimes even violence to get their point across, that the colonists must swear their allegiance to the crown, and they would beat and sometimes even kill unarmed citizens who refused to do so. In 1780, one colonist by the name of Dave Warner stuck his neck out in support of the colonial militia, setting up a flour mill near the Tar River in North Carolina in order to help produce food for the rebels. The militia were obviously very thankful for efforts like Dave's, but one concerned fellow citizen came to Dave and offered him two warnings. One, if you get caught by the Redcoats, you're probably a dead man. And two, in the nights preceding the arrival of the Grateful Citizen, there had been handfuls of reports of the sound of a weeping, wailing woman along the Tar River, and some folks believed they were hearing the sounds of a banshee. Mm. They recounted the old legend that the banshee was screaming and wailing to inform the hearers that death was near. The man was worried that Dave was going to be killed and the banshee was warning him. Dave believed that because he was a peaceful soul, that the banshee would leave him be. And luckily for Dave, he was right. For the whole year that followed, Dave Warner claimed to hear the wails of the banshee, especially around the time of the full moon, but no harm had come to him. And around a year after his first visit to Dave, the man who came to him before Mm -hmm. returned with a new message of gratitude from colonial soldiers, as well as a new warning. While most colonists were thankful for Dave and his support of the rebels, someone sold him out to the Redcoats who were on their way to kill Dave as they spoke. Oh, geez. Dave was not concerned and decided to stay put. And within days, a group of five Redcoats came to Dave and began to beat him senseless for his rebellion. As the five men dragged Dave to the riverbanks in order to drown him, Dave warned them that there was a banshee in the river and that if they brought him any harm, that she'd come for them and she would not stop until she had all of their souls. (laughs) This did little to deter the Redcoats, who decided to tie Dave to a rock that they then threw into the river to finish the job. 
Mm. Within seconds of the rock splashing into the river, a horrifying shriek pierced the night air, sending the redcoats running to the mill where they decided to barricade themselves for the night. As the night wore on, one of the men heard the sound of a wailing woman outside. He peeked out of the window only to see the form of a woman hovering around near the river, her face and features covered by a long shrouded cloak. The woman disappeared at the exact second that another scream could be heard. What? When the red coat looked over at the others, they were all standing motionless, almost as though they were in some sort of trance. When mm. the red coat turned back around, the banshee was right behind him and put him to, into a trance as well. God, one by one, the men walked into the river, like walked up to it and jumped in, dying one by one as the banshee claimed their souls as punishment for living violent, tyrannical lives. Oh my gosh. Rumor has it that on full moons near the Tar River, if you hear the screams of the banshee, she might just be coming for you next. My gosh. Interestingly, British forces in Ireland decades back, I mean, probably centuries back at this point, mm -hmm. would straight up flee and leave their posts if they heard the sounds of the wailing in the distance, fearing so much that they were hearing the banshee. Wow. Like this, I guess it was in like the 1800s, so a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, even still. They would just wow. bolt. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So like that's, huh. it's, it's a powerful legend. Yeah. You know? Well, and it, it sounds like it even crosses cultural mm -hmm. borders mm -hmm. where people are like, oh no, I've heard about this. Right. Like it, it affects them too, even if that's not their culture's uh, specter. Sure. It's one that they are like noping out of there. Right. <laughs> once right. they know about it. Okay. So we'll end with a few stories coming out of County Clare in Ireland to wrap this thing up. Okay. County Clare has long been the setting of many Banshee sightings. There is a very legendary story coming out of the year 1014, hmm. where two rival clans were engaged in war, each having their own banshee loyal to their respective families. <laughs> I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I honestly don't fully understand the conflict, but suffice it to say that the conversations surrounding the banshees, who served almost as like war guardians for each family, were just as important as like the family's themselves mm. like the banshees were viewed as rulers of their own realms and protectors and helpers when things got tough yeah like they were regarded as highly as like the number one soldier yeah representing each side which is wow. so interesting to yeah. me yeah huh. so there's a river in county Clare that is affectionately nicknamed banshees brook whenever the area surrounding the river goes through a dry spell it causes iron to rise to the top of the water tinging the water a reddish hue resembling the color of blood being washed from the clothes of fallen soldiers oh wow interestingly it's documented that the river would remain red as the sounds of the banshee's wail could be heard each night and this would continue until there was a documented death in the nearby community then everything would return to normal Hmm. Which is very weird and bizarre. That like, is, if that's true, yeah, that's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? There's, there's something. There's, there's metaphysical things happening all around them. Yeah, very strange. So we're going to end with an extremely recent report coming out of County Clare. A woman named Emily had written into the Cryptic Crew, a paranormal investigation site, with her story. In the summer of 2014, while sitting in her rural farmhouse home, she heard the sounds of a screaming woman in the middle of the night. It was sometime around 2 to 3 a.m., and because there was a bog near her home where people could accidentally get lost and drown in, she called the police to come in and help. Hmm. It sounded like this was like a rescue, like someone was in danger. Oh, So wow. while she waited for police, the screaming continued incessantly, and so Emily ran outside to see if she could find the woman and help her. 
As her eyes focused in the darkness, she saw a woman standing on a stone wall that borders the bog. The woman was wearing a long, tattered dress and had her face tilted upwards towards the sky. She was screaming so loudly that as Emily approached, it actually hurt her ears. Wow. Yeah. Worried that this person was actually dangerous or even just severely intoxicated, Emily ran back inside and waited for police to arrive. When they finally did, the screaming had stopped. So Emily gave a statement about her experience to the police. Mm. They took her statement and told her that they'd report it as a drunken disorderly, but that she should probably call and check on her family because they get similar calls to this one every couple of years. And some people believe that it could be a bona fide banshee encounter. Mm. So Emily went inside and immediately called her family members. All was well until she got the life-changing news that her mom had passed away that very night, just about an hour or so before Emily had called. So right at the same time that she was hearing the terrible Whoa. screaming. Oh, wow. That Huge yikes. Huge yikes. Ooh. So the Banshee is a legend that has stood the test of time and has been passed down for centuries. Whether she's a helpful and compassionate herald of death or something much more sinister, the Banshee is a powerful example of Celtic folklore and evidence of the powerful and untouchable nature of story. And that is what I have for you today. Wow. That is... That's so interesting to me. I kind of think the Banshee rocks like a I, little bit. It's like a that's such an like an impressive story um, and history and character. Yeah. Like just everything she gets about a bad it. rep. She gets a bad rep, and and some of that may or may not be like legitimate even, but it it still draws you in of mm-hmm. like. What 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 is she doing? Why? Who and yeah. There's something almost siren like about it a little bit. Mm-hmm, a little bit. That's interesting to me. But yeah, I think and also there's something kind of mothmanny about her. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> where yes. it's like so the many omen. people have argued, did Mothman cause this incident to happen? Mm-hmm. Which go listen to episode twenty four if you haven't. It's some of our best. Yes. If that's not, a great I episode. think that one's probably my favorite. Also, we need to have Krista back on because she's the best. But anyway the harbinger of death idea and like yeah. the even the grim reaper like the grim reaper isn't necessarily it just depends on who you ask i suppose is either causing death when you see mm-hmm. the grim reaper or is just warning just telling of, you yeah i'm just passing the message along and that's totally true of the banshee and i feel like anytime i've ever seen the banshee in pop culture because mm-hmm. she's been in shows right. she's been in books and movies i just not that long ago was re-watching the after dark movies oh the yeah. eight films to die for yeah. i loved those back in the day even though most of them are terrible <laughs> and i was watching the scream of the banshee hmm. and she's very much like she's evil and she's cursing everybody who hears her scream for like vengeance wow yeah. and uh yeah, it's, it's so interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like that's more how we see her depicted. Whereas right. the legend is very much like she's an honorable fa- like fairy folk yeah. who is trying to join us in our sorrow and give us a heads up on it before mm. it even takes place. And then I do like her showing up to funerals. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't see her, but you know that her voice is blending in with everybody else who's like keening in the, right. in the group. It's yeah. so interesting. But anyway, I love the Banshee. I think she rocks. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. If you haven't already, 
Make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on your favorite listening platform and that you leave a glowing five-star review. Those reviews help other people who listen to podcasts like this to find this one. Also, make sure that you're following us on all of our social medias. We are at This One Is A Doozy on Instagram and TikTok, and This One's A Doozy podcast on Facebook. And lastly, you can connect with us even more directly over on Patreon. My love, tell us a little bit about Patreon. Yeah, so you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash doozypod. And for $5 a month, you can support our show. Supporters on Patreon also get access to all of our content ad-free, as well as two monthly exclusive episodes. Yeah. Well, everybody, we'll see you next week for another doozy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.